0: The Revenge of the Birds Podcast, part of the SB Nation Podcast Network, hosted by Blake Murphy 7 and Johnny Touchdown, all about your Arizona Cardinals. Hello, this is the Revenge of the Birds Podcast, your complete cards coverage. Welcome in. We're recording to this uh, new episode on a Tuesday. My name is Blake Murphy on Twitter at Blake Murphy 7 And uh, I'm joined by my co-host, as always, the venerable John Venerable on Twitter at Johnny Venerable. And John, we get to talk about a Cardinals win this week. They are back above 500. Which means that we get to look at uh, the upcoming opponent with the Dallas Cowboys in our next show. But for this one, we'll talk a lot about the New York Jets. Before we get into the Cardinals 30-10 win, how are you? And uh, more importantly, how's your heart after the Cardinals have kind of been able to stave off what felt like kind of an almost desperation must-needed win to the season?
1: Well, Blake, yeah, I'm I'm feeling great. Uh, You know, that was one of the most I think needed wins in in Cardinal recent memory. Uh, When you think about Larry Fitzgerald coming out as a veteran on that team and saying, hey, this is a must win. We got to get this one for the team. We can't lose three in a row. Um, I think that at the end of the day, Blake, this this is a franchise that has renewed expectation for winning. This is the third straight week they've been favored coming into this Jets game. And while they still didn't play a perfect game, I, I think we saw enough positives that they can build on. And we saw it last year, right, when they were able to finally get off this, this schneid with Cincinnati and, and win that first game for Kingsbury. Um, and the fact that then they were able to, to rattle off a couple more wins after the fact, sometimes you need a team like the Jets to to roll on in on your schedule and you can get some things right. And I really do think, Blake, they figured out some things offensively in the second half that they can carry over uh to the you know midpoint of the season and hopefully lead to a much more stable consistent unit offensively
0: yeah john the cardinals opened up trading punts with the jets and then uh, it seemed like that they adjusted after the fact you're talking about um a 16 yard run from kyler murray seemed to light the offense up you then had a christian kirk uh 20 yard pass that he had at least there was i believe a, either a broken tackle on that play Uh, you then also ended up having kind of a, uh, third and one, you hand the ball off not to Kenyon Drake, but to chase Edmonds on the inside zone. He runs it straight up the middle for 29 yards. Uh, This would be his fourth touchdown at MetLife stadium in his career. It's also his fourth touchdown of 20 yards or more, which is kind of crazy when you think about, um, not just his big play ability, but the fact that he's a local uh, kid who went to college at Fordham nearby. And uh, it's been at least fun to be able to watch because, John, the first opening thing I think that everyone recognized was, wow, okay, like we're seeing a little bit of a lack of burst of Kenyon Drake, a little bit of uh, extra juice, it seems like, for Chase Edmonds. And uh, Edmonds also had, I believe it was, like um, four catches for, was it, 48 yards receiving in the game, unless I'm mistaken. It does seem like that part of what the Cardinals have been missing, I think, on their offensive side has been, the running game as well as some of the deep passing game which we'll talk about a little bit of that in the future especially at the end of the game but what were some of your thoughts on the Cardinals rushing attack specifically the way that we saw Chase Edmonds maybe make a push for that RB1 spot
1: yeah for sure bro it was I think probably the biggest development that we've seen in in recent weeks the commitment to trying to pound the football, we had heard that Cliff Kingsbury, you know, in in pregame or during one of the, you know, interactions he had with the sideline reporter basically say, hey, I get two pass happy. I, I look at all of our weapons in the receiving group and they have a good amount. They're just not utilized consistently right now other than deandre hopkins and kingsbury they get pass happy like they did a week ago against carolina and it led to an inefficiency in their offense not being able to sustain drives and and this week he said hey i'm gonna run the ball 30 times that includes you know some carries from kyler and we're gonna pound the football and yes the Kenyon drake production wasn't great but i did think that toward the fourth quarter once he got his his shoulder square to the hole instead of running you know east and west consistently and moving upfield it was more effective uh he was under i believe two yards per carry in the first half but over four yards per carry in the second half and i'm sure that they pointed some things out to him at half and said hey by the way kenyon drake's got three carries for 36 yards and a touchdown because he goes north and south he's got explosion kenyon does not have the same explosion this year but he can still be an effective in between the tackles runner You go back to like when the Cardinals acquired him last year, and the success they had against San Francisco in that opener. He was going upfield. He was breaking tackles. He was elusive. For whatever reason, I don't know if it's because he watches Kyler do it all the time, but he thinks he can turn the corner. uh, You know, on the perimeter, and that's just not his game. But when you go back and watch, you know, the Seahawks game from last year, both Niner games. He's a one-cut up-the-field runner when he's on and when he's effective. Now, I do think the Cardinals have somewhat regressed from a interior run-blocking standpoint. They're they're very sufficient as pass protectors, but J.R. Sweezy's not playing up to what he played last year. Maybe there's a little bit of a drop-off from Mason Cole and um, A.Q. Shipley from a run-blocking standpoint. I still think he's got a bright future, and then Justin Pugh's been in and out of the lineup. But I, I am hopeful that... You know, I don't really care who starts. We hear people say, well, you know, Chase Edmonds needs to start. And while I do think he's a better player and I think he's got way more upside in the passing game, as we saw for five, for 56 through the air, you know, Kenyon Drake can can start the game. And if he's running effectively like he did in the second half, you know, Chase Edmonds is still going to get his touches. I think that's the biggest thing. Kenyon Drake had 19 touches. Chase Edmonds had uh, eight and Kenyon Kenyon Drake was way less effective, I think you need to split that up. If you're going to be committed to 30 touches for the running back group, I think it's got to be closer to 15 and 15. Edmonds, specifically in the passing game, I just think brings so much more to the table. And we forget how effective David Johnson was as a receiver last year, Blake. And I think he had like six, seven receiving touchdowns. He had a good amount of Kyler's passing touchdowns last year. Um, and so while he wasn't effective on the ground, Kyler looked for him as a security blanket, and Drake can't provide that. And I think that wh- what you see with Edmonds is he's able to break tackles. That catch and run before the end of the half that set up the field goal, I thought Edmonds had a chance to, to break that play. And, and so I think that can kind of give you an inclination of when they look for a back, which they will in next year's draft, like they're going to look for somebody in the Clyde Edwards-Hilaire kind of mold that can do everything – and I think if Kingsbury could merge Drake and Edmonds abilities together, that would be the, the quintessential player for this offense. Um, what maybe David Johnson used to be. But for now, you have to be able to maximize what Kenyon Drake does well. And I think he's effective again when he squares his shoulders up and hits the hole. Edmonds to me is the perfect kind of I don't even want to kinda of like change a pace back, but he certainly gives them a spark that otherwise was missing. And I really do think that he should have split carries or touches with drake blake moving forward
0: yeah john edmonds is much more of like if you wanted to talk about like we mentioned a thunder and lightning before is what we've talked about at least with um trying to find that type of identity for your backs edmonds is the guy who when you're looking at it's not the downfield routes that david johnson ran uh, much more of kind of either these checkdowns or some of these option routes where you just got to make a man miss or On the play that you mentioned, at least uh, with the touchdown, with the inside zone, just being able to kind of split right up the middle, that that catch it and run was one of those areas where he did run much more of a downfield type of route. And uh, I know the Cardinals loved his ability as a receiver. He did work out completely at a receiver Uh, At his pro day, basically to show that he could do it. That was one of the players that I think has been very valuable for the cards. Um, What was also impressive to me was there was at least a renewed uh, bounce back as far as the pass protection was concerned. Again, now the Jets at least have not been good at all at being able to rush the passer. Um, that's been one thing we've seen outside of maybe the likes of Quinn and Williams being able to get some pressure, uh, DJ Humphrey said maybe his best game as a Cardinal. I know that's something at least with pro football focus is always questions, at least about, you know, some of the people will agree. Some will disagree. Uh, they hit him as the best overall player on the team, even ahead of Deandre Hopkins. Uh, he did excellent in the, uh, pass blocking as well as run blocking. I think that was a nice bounce back after you watch Brian Burns, uh, basically torch him a couple of times. Last week. The second area that I felt like was a good step for the Cardinals was uh, defensively, they did step up as well from last week. Buda Baker led the team in tackles, despite the fact that he has, you know, basically a club for the most part, or at least wrapped around his uh, thumb on his right hand. You're talking about then a guy who clearly was needed on the field when he was missing. Uh, There was a huge drop off, at least overall, without him. Uh, He had an excellent game. Even had a sack in the game as well as a tackle for loss. Um, what we saw, though, also on the defensive side that was interesting. John was kind of the lack, <clears throat> excuse me, lack of play from one of the Cardinals players up into a certain point, and then once he was out, uh, you saw immediately almost it was like right after that it was two sacks, and that would be Chandler Jones who. Looked like he had a bicep injury is what the official designation was. The team uh, currently doesn't have any updated information if he's going to be on IR the rest of the year. They seem to be looking at non-surgical options to find out if he can still play or not. But, John, the the way that Chandler was going, I I don't want to speculate or say that he had been dealing with any sorts of injury. But something was not right with Jones because he just was going up against, you know, a third-string tackle getting some pressures, was not getting as close to the quarterback overall. And once Dennis Gardett came in, maybe it was, you know, maybe you let up, maybe you relaxed, maybe some of it was just a bit of extra juice. Uh, he gets two sacks on the day filling in. And now, John, the Cardinals are in a spot where they're going to be missing Chandler Jones for at least probably the rest of the season. And that, honestly, even with the fact that he hasn't seemed to be playing up to his standards this year, that's still a tremendous loss. What is the What is the Cardinals' plan? Do you think going to be to replace him or the production? And is this a loss that they can overcome?
1: Yeah, absolutely, Blake. And you know, I you have to think about it on you know with layers uh, specific to this season, last season, and then moving forward. He was one of the best defenders, if not you know, the best defender in all of football last year, 19 and a half sacks. But it was evident he wasn't the same player this year, at least early through the season. And I think a lot of us hoped, you know, maybe conditioning, no off season. you think, okay, he'll get his stride, you know, midseason. He'll still end up with double-digit sacks. He's always hit that mark. And he's become a better player than he was in New England and Arizona. Um, and he's a great person. He's a great human being. He's a great leader. So you, you hate to see anything happen. But it was evident. I mean, I put out a tweet after he missed a tackle, like, what has happened to Chandler Jones? And then I think it was, like, a couple plays later, you know, he went out with the injury. I think you're right, Blake. I think it was an underlined injury. Maybe he wasn't telling people because he wanted to play through it. Um, And who knows? It could have been severely sprained or or borderline torn, you know, for weeks now. And we know how close this team keeps injuries to the vest. So he was compromised. Now, you know, I – I would just shut him down for the year, bring him back next year 100% healthy. It's not an injury that requires a ton of rehab. I think, you know, with his conditioning, his his mindset, you would assume a normal off season next year, he'll be ready to go for the season and pass rushers age better than a lot of other positions inside back or defensive line. We think he's going to be able to play for a long time. And it, you hate to think like this, but, I mean, Chandler's going into the last year of his deal next year. Maybe they can work out a – a team-friendly extension where he's got a little bit more security into where he's at uh, coming off a major injury. But, you know, as far as this year goes, Blake, they were already struggling to generate pressure. I mean, if he was on pace for a similar, you know, similar production year based on his first couple years in Arizona, this would be a huge, huge loss. Um, But the pressure this morning, I think Josh Weinfuss released some information this morning I think on ESPN.com, and basically the Cardinals are in the bottom tier in the NFL for total pressure, and it's it's contributing to the lack of forced turnovers in the back end. They only have two turnovers defensively for the year: one pick and one forced fumble. So you know it's gonna it's it stinks in the notion that we all just assumed he would get there at some point this season, but he wasn't there currently, and now he's not going to be. And so you look at okay, where can they find a comparable replacement or something? that can help this unit generate pressure you know I I got a couple DMs on Twitter you know thinking about we can manufacture pressure we've done it before we before we had Chandler well if you go back to 2013 to 2015 when Todd Bowles and 2015 when James Betcher led this unit and they were humming on all cylinders they had an elite secondary they had an elite defensive line led by Calais Campbell and then their their outside linebackers were complimentary and um, you know they had they brought in the Dwight Freenies of the world, Blake, you remember, and the John Abrahams, and they finally got Chandler in 2016. But that was never where they got a, a lot of their pressure. Um, and so when people say, well, we could go out and just get a veteran, and it could be a band aid, and you could, you could go out and get Ryan Kerrigan at the trade deadline, maybe overpay and give up a, you know, of an early day three pick. Um, but I just think that there there's there's always going to be holes defensively with this team because. We talked about it throughout the duration of the offseason. The defensive line is still without an impact defender. They don't have, you know, clearly an Aaron Donald, but they don't have a, an impact defensive lineman like a DeForest Buckner. I like Jordan Phillips. but he's, a, he's probably a B player who played like an A last year. And, I again, he's got two sacks this year. He's on pace for eight, but he's not an A-plus defensive lineman. They don't have that anymore. They had two of them for a while with Dockett and Calais Campbell. Then they let, you know, Campbell go after Dockett opted to retire – And they've never replaced him. That's why they took Robert Condici in the first round. So they don't have the same kind of tools to be able to manufacture pressure in other ways like they had before when they didn't have great pass rushers on the edge. So I would just – I wouldn't put Isaiah Simmons there. I'd let him get pressure from the safety position or if they're committed to keeping him an inside linebacker, generate him you know, blitzing the A-gap, things like that. But if you're talking about the Hassan Reddick situation all over again, if you force him to play outside linebacker – and I just don't think he's strong enough yet – to play every down against an offensive tackle, the Trent Williams of the world in the division. So what I would do is I would go Devon Kennard, Hassan Reddick, and I would try to bring in, uh, I know John Gamadaro brought, brought up Lorenzo Alexander. He's got extensive work playing 3-4 outside linebacker. Used to actually play for Arizona and then went to Buffalo and made a nice run. Um, and he could come in, maybe be a situational pass rusher for you. But they're just going to need more from the guys they have. Maybe, you know, Jordan Phillips, ticks up his game a little bit but I I like the mindset that they're that they're doing now with revamping the secondary with veterans savvy veterans like Prince and Mucamara I'd still bring in Tony Jefferson and just try to get coverage sacks but at the end of the day Blake I never was expecting much from this defense anyway and they've already played better than I thought they're giving and I know the offenses haven't been great that they faced but they're giving up the four least points in the NFL they have they're the fourth best defense in points per game in the league at 20 points per game that's not going to stick but it, to me, and I've said this, you can go back to every pod that we've done to start this season, it's been the offense. If the offense can play up to its capabilities, and we saw probably 75% of that on Sunday, they're going to be a playoff team. I don't care what the defense looks like. And I, with the schedule that lines up, they don't play one elite defensive team the rest of the year. They play Seattle and the Rams. They're both average to below average defensively. The Niners look awful defensively. They get Miami. They get the New York Giants. They get the Dallas Cowboys. If the offense is going to care if the offense is going to be what we expect, then they can get to the playoffs. If the offense is going to look like what it did against Carolina, and to a lesser extent Detroit, then they're not a playoff team. And again, I think they can play good situational defense because they have they're more athletic at linebacker and they are better on the defensive line than they were a year ago, even with Chandler gone now. But I'm not making a, a snap judgment one way or the other. If this had been last year, it would be a completely different story, but he wasn't the same player, and I you know, I hope he's back 100% next year. But I, I I think Buda Baker is more integral to this team's success right now. I think it was saying something when Larry Fitzgerald came out and said that uh, a week and a half ago. said if you know, is the lifeblood of this defense, and I think that's true, and he proved it on Sunday again with a nice tackle for loss or quarterback sack. So I still think this team can get to nine wins without Chandler Jones
0: point I, I noticed at least with how the season is shaped up you've got a lot of teams right now out behind the, uh, the Seahawks behind the Rams behind even like the Bears at least at four and one seem there's a little bit of 2012 Cardinals I think going on there they've had some kind of shocking or surprise type of wins one of those at least for sure being against the Buccaneers Uh, There's a lot of teams at three and two. One of those teams in the Panthers does hold a tiebreaker over you now. So that will be something, at least I think, John, where you're going to have to uh, be able to pick up wins in division. Because like you said, some of the defenses that you're looking at, like the the best defense, honestly, right now, the Cardinals are going to play the rest of the year, is basically the Rams defense, ironically enough. The, The Giants are up there at 343 yards per game. But part of that's because they... Have been a team that, for the most part, has given up at least a lot of uh, early yards, and also because James Bradbury has been having a phenomenal year for them at the corner spot. Uh, The Cardinals right now, at least as far as pressure goes, they're still top 10 in sacks. But like you said, John, there's a difference between sacks and being able to generate pressure overall. And that's been, I think, the biggest thing that's been missing from this Cardinals team has been the fact that they have not been able to be consistent in getting to the passer uh, or being able to fully restrict uh, the opposing quarterbacks from occasionally taking off. We even saw that with Joe Flacco. He wasn't quite contained, was able to run forward for a few yards and to me, some of that, John, I think is a talent disparity. I do think that there is a level to that of Devon Kennard being out. Uh, I think that he gives the Cardinals enough ability both in being able to get to the passer as well as being able to have the athleticism to cover that I think that is a something, at least when he's on the field with Chandler Jones, that's probably your best matchup that you're going to have there. Uh, with Chandler Jones out, I think that you're probably going to need to rely, like you said, on Simmons and move Redick much more into that Canard role, maybe even have Canard take over more of Chandler's snaps. Uh, it'll be interesting to see if Dennis Gardett can bring more of it. Uh, you, you know, some of that times we can look at a player who doesn't have the most amount of athleticism but has a lot of effort and good technique like a Marcus Golden, and, you know, I don't think he's going to be a double-digit sat guy, but if you can at least get enough out of him in that regard, um, I think that it's going to basically come down to that back end and, uh, Vance Joseph, the way that he plays his team is much more based around rushing force guys, being able to try to keep as much coverage on the back end and occasionally sending, you know, a, what's called the press man covers here. Everyone covers your man across the board, bring the house. That was something we saw. Uh, have not seen him do that much. More likely we've seen him kind of bring Buddha Baker on some of these blitzes. Some teams are prepared for it. Like the lions who they saw, Hey, Buddha's blitzing. Boom. Just hit the running back. At least who's going around him. I think that that's where you need to be able to get someone like Simmons on the field and be able to bring him or Buddha and be able to kind of confuse defenses. Um, It'll just be interesting to see because that's been one thing the Cardinals have not really been willing to do right now has been to put him on the field. Now, what I will say for this for Simmons is... Uh, a lot of Cardinals fans, I think there's kind of that balance that we have of there's, I think, a notable level of concern of the fact that he's not on the field and the Cardinals have had multiple injuries to positions, even more so now with Chandler Jones being out, that you're kind of worried like, hey, why isn't it that he's getting you know, only nine or 13 snaps a game? I think there is notable concern, but I don't think he needs to go overboard to just say, oh, he's a bust, trade him, move on. But that's not something I think we're saying. I think, John, you and I both have agreed we want someone like Simmons to work out. It's been disappointing that they haven't gotten, you know, more immediate return on him compared to some of, you know, there's other players the Cardinals could have drafted. You're seeing immediate return on uh, particularly maybe at wide receiver and corner, but it's also a spot of recognizing the development of what their plan is for him right now is saying, Hey, we probably are going to be saying goodbye to Devondre Campbell next year. We're going to need an inside linebacker. It's going to be hard to have to sign another guy in free agency. I think part of it as well, John, is that they're trying to work Simmons in in a spot that helps make use of his skill set. If you look at last week, right, uh, he played eight spots uh, according to PFF uh, from the defensive line and one as a slot corner. So that's one snap basically where you'd be talking about coverage for the most part. This week he had seven snaps there. He uh, and the defensive line three in the box. He had two out at wide corner. They had a tight end that the Jets split out, and he followed the tight end wide, so he's playing man coverage there. And then there's other 10 snaps, including a good special teams tackle he did. And, John, I think Simmons, from what we've seen, is one of the best tacklers on the team. It's been much more of the coverage as far as the instincts, the reads, some of that I think as far as trying to figure that roll out that's been a bit of a struggle. And that's something we saw even going back to the San Fran game. So I think that's what's good is that you do want to see the Cardinals moving him into some of those different spots or giving him, say, hey, matchup, here's your man, just stick on him, make sure that he doesn't get the ball. That, I think, at least, is something that's a good spot. we will just be really interesting to see how Vance Joseph is able to adapt or adjust. Because, John, they're going to be playing the likes of the Rams, of the Seahawks, Buffalo, and New England with getting Cam Newton back soon enough. The Cardinals are going to be facing some pretty decent offenses. And so if your defense has been carrying the team thus far, and we're, we'll talk a bit about the deep ball here in the next segment as far as if they've unlocked that not only does your offense have to still step up and play they've been probably playing maybe their c to a b game so far this season not only is your offense then going to have to play their a game if your defense can't do it you're going to have to almost be perfect if you end up seeing this team without chandler jones kind of fall back down and it's why i'm very glad that the cardinals should be getting guys back like jalen thompson and max williams hopefully within the next few weeks if not for uh this monday night game against the cowboys for jalen what are some of your thoughts at least on the defense other ways to be able to either address or fix it or just is this going to be a spot where we're going to be kind of knowing one way or the other what Joseph's status is going to be heading into 2021 because it it doesn't look good for right now but it's not to say that it's impossible for him to be able to kind of live up to that idea of this defensive guy that we've all wanted him to be as a counterpart to cliff kingsbury
1: yeah i uh, what I just said is complimentary to of the offense with the remaining schedule. I can almost say the identical thing or the reverse thing for the matchups that this defense is going to have to face when you think about Dallas's offense, even without Dak Prescott, Seattle twice, the Rams twice, the Bills. Uh, I mean, there are only a couple cupcakes in there with maybe San Francisco, the Eagles, and the Giants. I would say, Blake, that as of right now, he's safe because – they I mean the, the, these are their point totals given up. They gave up 20, 15, 26, 31 and 10. Uh they've given up the le- the second least amount of points in the division behind Los Angeles, fourth least in the NFL. I mean, say what you want about them, they've been predominantly effective and they played well enough against Detroit to win. They really had only one huge stinker and that was the Carolina game. Um so what I can suggest to to our listeners is that I think that if they are able to play moderately well to, to the remaining of the season, we are in a position where he will likely be retained. Now, if they completely go off the rails, then we've got a significant issue. And you can't even blame it on personnel because Kime went out and spent all that money in free agency. The Simmons scenario is just as frustrating because Again, I know they don't want to put him in a position to be like Hassan Redick, but you almost if it's, if this was James Betcher or Todd Bowles, we would be in a position where we could say, okay, we know that they're getting the most out of him, just like you know Patrick Queen in Baltimore is playing consistently, and they're moving him around, and he's a chess piece, right? Isaiah Simmons can't be a chess piece with Vance Joseph, and that speaks to the bigger issue here of of what is happening. And so, Blake, I'll, I'll pose this question to you. If they do, in fact, bring Vance Joseph back next year, do you have hope that Simmons can still become an effective NFL player?
0: I think that I do, and I think some of that will depend on the viewpoint of when they're adjusting as far as Simmons. Right now, I feel like that either it's— uh, again, John, we've talked about there's there's three things that can happen— The biggest thing I think that is in Simmons' favor is that he's got athleticism and he's got smarts to the point where um, because of his ability to adapt and play, I think that a lot of this you have to remember is part of the NFL learning curve. The likes of Byron Murphy last year struggled a lot in terms of his coverage. Uh, Even Patrick Peterson struggled his rookie year. Uh, The expectations I think that people had for Simmons was super high. And part of that, I think also, John, is from what we knew and heard about the Cardinals wanted him to be in a spot where he was going to be on the field a lot. He would be uh, kind of a unofficial starter rotating in a whole lot into that more Hassan Reddick, cover the tight end and rush the passer role. I think that he's been a little less adept at rushing the passer from the edge than maybe they thought. And as far as coverage, it was clearly a work in progress, but Again, I think that he's one, one of the best tacklers on the team. And as that's a skill set you can look at with likes of Buda Baker and others. I think that's something that that is important to um, uh, to be able to have, whether it's at the linebacker spot or even at the safety spot. I do have a feeling this will be maybe i will be totally wrong on this. But if I had to kind of call my shot, I would say that I believe that Vance will not be back next year. Not because of a maybe even lack of poor play, but maybe even the fit that they're going to be looking for in their defense to be able to say, hey, we've got all this, you know, guys who are there. We got to get another person into the secondary with that corner. Um, we've got Chandler Jones. It's kind of where I think a lot of it was that they wanted to get a defensive former head coach to kind of come in, help Cliff be able to manage that side of the ball. I think within the last two years, though, Cliff's kind of been able to make the team a bit more of his own. So you're still going to want to look for someone similar, but it wouldn't shock me if they look for the right fit for someone who can then adapt to Simmons and his skill set. Uh, I think that the biggest concern, I think, John, is if it turns into – Way too much of a tweener type of situation where he just ends up being a solid tackler who doesn't hold up as well in coverage. Well, then you're probably going to be looking at a guy who I think is a uh, better, at least I'd say, better in coverage or instincts than Reddick, but not as good of a pass rusher. That to me is the worst case scenario. As we've seen with this on Reddick this year, you can still find rooms for those guys on your team. So, worst case scenario, I don't think is going to be too bad. I think that the best case scenario for him is you're able to kind of make the most use of his skill set and be able to bring in a DC who is going to have uh, a lot more of the, uh, I guess you can say, schematic versions of being able to bring pressure from multiple places. I think that they've wanted to find someone as similar to Todd Bowles. I know that that was one of the guys they wanted to bring back to Arizona until Bruce Arians came out of retirement and he was a guy who could use kind of these double a gap blitzes, be able to use. We saw Daryl Washington from the inside linebacker spot became one of Arizona's best pass rushers. I think that that would be the other spot that you could look at. And uh, worse comes to worse, John, if you'd say, Hey, we got to kind of bump him back into more of this, like, you know, safety type role, at least most part, I still think that he's got the athleticism to chase tackle and to thrive there. Um, it'll be interesting to say the least for all of that on the defensive side, but I don't think it's time to be able to give up on Isaiah Simmons yet. I think that what's toughest is that there's other players, like we said, for this Cardinals team who are probably could help this team out now while you're having to kind of wait until maybe the back half of this year or the, you know, beginning of 2021 to get some return on that top 10 pick. And that, I think, has been the more disappointing part for that one, John. And we'll watch and see how much Simmons plays down the stretch. Or if they, you know, start playing him a ton, suddenly he gets toasted for the most part, and then they have to kind of back off. You had superstar expectations, and that has not been, uh, obviously, uh, to anywhere close to that so far. Uh, But again, it's always a spot where you have to give guys three years because right now at this point, DJ Humphreys looked like he was going to be the next Levi Brown. And this last game, he went out there and had the highest grade of any Cardinal on the team. So great point. Give it some time for that one. It's obviously able to say, oh, gosh, like here's some early returns. You know, we talked about. Lamb, or even looking at CJ Henderson who went with the next pick. Like, we gotta say, ah, eh, we wish we could have done some of those things, but ultimately, you're gonna have to talk about how the Cardinals and their evaluation process, they have to either get the evaluation right, or you have to be able to figure out how you can get with the evaluator. So, that I think has been the biggest thing is just people who are gonna be, you know, questioning Kime throughout a lot of this with the drafts and with some of the picks. And I think that that is a standard you'll wanna hold him to, um, and almost a way separate from Kingsbury because Kime has been around here for. Way longer than Cliff. It's like they're not as tied together at the hip. If anything, Cliff and Kyler, I think, are the ones who are most tied together. But I don't think that they're going to be saying goodbye to them anytime soon, at least. So uh, if the Cardinals do go out here, kind of crumble down some of the stretch, I think there will be questions. But And you probably would get a new D.C., I think, regardless of if they make the playoffs or not. But I do think that we're going to be talking about Kyman cliff for that one. I think that would have only come into jeopardy if the Cardinals had come into this game, had blown it, had lost it, or especially if they'd come in and didn't have energy. That energy, John, was the reason why I think that they won this game, and it's the reason why I think they lost the Carolina game. It was just night and day as far as for the energy on the sideline, how the team came out of the gate humming. And for me, the turning point of the game actually Um, was if you're looking at after the team came down, there was the long, I think it was on third and long, there was a pass to Andy Isabella that was there that picked up a first down, I think on third and 15. And it was like after that, that kind of seemed to trigger most of the Cardinals, at least for the rest of the game. Because up until that point, you know, they had a uh, touchdown that they had scored in a few plays. They had a couple of punts. Uh, the defense kind of got the team back into the game with a stop on third and short. The Cardinals' defense has been tremendous this year on fourth down against uh, opposing defenses. I think with one exception against the Lions, uh, where I think it was Simmons got cooked by uh, either Jesse James on the route, or it was. Um, I have to remember exactly what the play was, but on fourth down, uh, there was one play they were cooked. But as far as for running the football, Cardinals have been stalwart, uh, and that was great to see because. The Cardinals bounced back, John. That was the thing that we were looking for Yep. when they had adversity to bounce back from it. They threw that interception, at least on that batted ball from Murray. What does the defense do? They hold them to a field goal. What does the Cardinals do after it's a seven, three game? They drive down the field. They have a, another touchdown that they're able to get on the Kyler Murray, two yard scamper. Uh, they did have a defensive holding call that benefited them for the most part, but there was uh, Andy Isabella on third and 15, 24 yards. Hey, uh pass to Christian Kirk, 24 yards. What we saw in this game that was there, and then we even saw at the very end of the game was the deep passing ball. Kyler threw for four point three yards per uh, I think it was yards per attempt the last week against the Panthers. This week it was ten yards. So we're talking about pushing the ball downfield. We're talking about much more of the deep passing game. And I think no more was that more evident than in that last drive of the game that we saw where the Cardinals had a deep ball for 45 yards to DeAndre Hopkins. It was not quite a 50-50 ball. It was more of he just adjusted his body well to the ball, came down with it. It looked like vintage 2008 Larry was what it looked like, and that's who DeAndre Hopkins has been for the duration of his career is essentially a number one wide receiver and has been a deep threat like that as well. We just have not gotten the chance to really see that, John. Then on the next play, you've got a cover one. Safety's late coming over there. Kyler hits him and a perfect shot for the end zone touchdown. The game at that point was already over. I think it was good to see that you had – the previous touchdown it was nine of the eleven plays were just run the ball, run the ball, and then they also showed the explosiveness. So John, do you think the Cardinals have been able to unlock some of the deep passing game, or is this gonna be more of a Jets aberration?
1: Well, we talked about this previously, Blake. I think that you have to stretch the field with your best players, regardless of whether or not they have elite speed. The Cardinals in the Carolina game, we're too similar to what Kenya Drake was doing, two east and west. They don't have playmakers outside of Hopkins that can make missed tackles at the line of scrimmage. Um, and you can't go to the well too, mu- too many times with that with Hopkins. And so, yeah, he has shown the ability, even though he doesn't run you know, 4-4 anymore, that he can go up and get the football in double coverage in certain scenarios. He is phenomenal getting the ball at the highest point of attack He can break tackles in the open field. And so the Cardinals would be foolish not to take advantage of this skill set with DeAndre Hopkins. And so, yeah, I think they got less cute. I mean, Kyler Murray had his best statistical day passing in terms of yards through the air and also total passing yards. He had a career high. I think it was like 380 on the day. Um, and so I think it's always going to be a priority for them to stretch the field vertically, but they just got away from it in recent weeks because I feel like they had, I think they felt like they had an advantage against teams and their back sevens in the form of Detroit and Carolina, and what they found was those teams were tackling exceptionally well in both of those instances. The linebacker play for Carolina and Detroit specifically were physical with the Cardinal wide receivers, and there was almost no yards after the catch, and so you know, I know the Jets personnel is not great, right? That's putting it mildly. But at the same time, what we've seen should be able to translate. I mean, the Cardinals do not go up against many elite secondaries moving forward the rest of this year. The the best is that they probably see is probably Jalen Ramsey in uh, Los Angeles, but the rest of that secondary isn't great for the Rams. So I think the Cardinals. Listen, they've had great pass protection all year. Really, outside of the Carolina game, the, the, the offensive line has played great. They've given up eight sacks on the year. They're on pace for, I think, 32 sacks, which would be one of the lowest outputs in, in recent memory for a Cardinal unit. Um, Kelvin Beecham and D.J. Humphreys are playing well, playing good football. Most of the time, if there's pressure, it's coming from the interior. And so I think that what we can expect is if they can work off of the the play-action RPO with the run game, that is when those deep shots are going to open up. And assuming they can get their penalties down, Blake, because that's also an issue, I do think that there are going to be more chances for explosive plays down the field. Isabella should have had multiple plays down the field catching the football in open space. He alligator arms one of them, but he ended up securing the one with the penalty. So what I will tell you is, at the end of the day, they have perimeter speed. They just need to refine some of their route running. Kirk, Continuing that you know maturation process with Kyler that has just been up and down because of injuries, he's back now, he played his most effective game of the season. He said that was a big turning point in the relationship, and he thinks that he can produce like that every week. and if that's the case, and the Cardinals are able to get sixty to seventy yards complimentary from Christian Kirk every week, this offense is going to be taken to a new level because those are the intermediate routes that keep the chains moving to give you an opportunity to stretch the field deep, you know and take your shots to Hopkins. Hopkins is on pace for 144 catches and 1,700 yards. That is absurd, but the next closest receiver is Kirk, who missed a game and has been MIA. He's on pace for like 500 yards receiving, so there's a disparity with that group, and I still think at this point they'd probably like to add another receiver that can help alleviate some of that pressure, but you have to see what you have with some of these other players. I think Edmonds now being involved in the passing game helps. I think Dan Arnold down the seam route. They're going to try to utilize that, I would imagine, against Dallas. But I, Kyler Murray wants to throw deep. He wants to stretch the field, but his an, his accuracies have been a problem. So he was able to calm down a little bit more against the Jets. He had a really nice QBR of 77.4. His completion percentage was almost 75% on 37 attempts. That's not nothing. And then the, the 10 yards per completion, over a per, first down per completion, that's big time. That's what we expect from Kyler Murray. Kyler Murray... At his best, is going to throw for four thousand yards and rush for seven hundred and fifty yards or eight hundred yards, and he's going to have forty total touchdowns. That's what he's on pace for. And so, if the Cardinals consistently get those kind of performances, where he's not so reliant on the run in terms of his ability to run the ball, this is this is the offense we expect: thirty plus points per week, making the defense vulnerable on the back end. You know, and in turn, what it does is it helps the Cardinals offensive or defensively because it makes the, the opposing offense is one-dimensional. That's why it's, it's hurt Arizona so much when the offense has been so slow out of the gate to get going, and the other team can settle in and run the football like Carolina did and dominate time of possession. When the Cardinals are assertive and they can put points on the board early, it's better for everyone involved, and I think you know the vertical passing game is a big part of that.
0: Yeah, I think that using that vertical passing game and unlocking that to Hopkins will be something where if you can get safeties to have to pull over and some of it's just Kyler, trust your receiver to go up and make a play like he did. I think if we see that happen more often, that will help a lot as far as with Kirk being able to take advantage of getting hopefully some separation as well as the likes of Fitzgerald and Isabella over the middle. Uh, That's the big step I think we want to see from the Cardinals and I think we'll get a chance to see it against Dallas and one of the worst uh, defenses that we've seen so far this year. In the NFL, both in terms of yards and points. And that will wrap it up for us here on this edition of the revenge of the birds podcast. Uh, on behalf of my co-host, the venerable John venerable, make sure you follow him at uh, Johnny venerable on Twitter. I'm at Blake Murphy seven. Make sure you follow our Twitter account at R O pod, as well as on RevengeoftheBirds.com. of the Thanks again for tuning. In. We'll be back later in the week with a uh, update previewing the Dallas Cowboys game. This is a national Monday night game. It might be the biggest game of the Cardinals for the season. How will the Cowboys do without Dak Prescott? We'll get into that on our next edition of the Revenge of the Birds podcast.